and welcome to the Gene Odom podcast. My name is Patty Ann Hughes. I'm here today with Gene Odom, the longtime friend of Leonard Skinnerd, author, uh, plane crash survivor, and uh, recently has a movie out on on Amazon, speaking about his experience with Leonard Skinnerd and the last 72 hours. Um, Gene, as most of you know, is a lot, was a childhood friend of Ronnie Van Zant, lead, lead singer and original member of Leonard Skinnerd. And Gene, it's so great to be with you here today. Uh, it's really an honor. I enjoy you so much. Your writing has really touched me <clears throat> so much. And just all of your true accounts of your childhood with, with Ronnie Van Zant and with all the, the band members, really, that you got to know so well. And for those of you that don't know, Gene is the lead security person for the band at the time of the crash and prior to that. And uh, Gene, you know, basically when I met you, which was really such a surprise to me, I had actually attended the memorial in Gillsburg, Mississippi of Leonard Skinner uh, that was recently erected in October of 2019, uh, really commemorating the loss of the people that passed away that day, namely from the band, Ronnie Van Zant, Cassie Gaines, Steve Gaines, and uh, Dean Kirkpatrick, as well as the, the they're also lost the both of the pilots. There are stat, the the monument is really devoted though to the members of Skinnerd, and so I decided to go and spend the day and show my respects. And I was fortunate enough to meet Eugene, and uh, we had such a great conversation that day. I really enjoyed talking to you and getting to know more about your experiences with Skinnerd, and uh, it's just really just such an honor to be here with you. And I think the fans really have been wanting to see more of you and hear more from you because when you speak, people listen and they want to know because they know that you're being sincere and honest and that you truly were a dear, dear friend to the band, especially Ronnie Van Zant. So uh, if you can share with us any of your childhood stories about your time with Ronnie, uh, I know people really want to know and they have questions and they're just very happy to see you and hear from you. Well, I appreciate that, <clears throat> and um, number one, let's say the original Leonard Skinner band. Let's yes. make that make that. Yes, my apologies. The original Leonard Skinner band. Yeah, not the only Leonard Skinner band actually. <clears throat> but I could go on and on and on and on about us as growing up, the kids and boys. Um, I wish I wish I could remember everything, but the lick on the head I took in the plane crash, some of that stuff's gone, and it won't yeah. ever come back. But um, it's just. Two boys. I mean, of course, there was <clears throat> other boys in the neighborhood too, and then uh, growing up together. And um, elementary school, and the in the late fifties or early early sixties, Duval County consolidated with the city of Jacksonville, and made the whole county the city. And um, at Woodcrest Road became the boundary. If you lived south of Woodcrest Road, <clears throat> you would stay in Hyde Park Elementary School. If you lived north of Woodcrest Road, you would go to Ramona Elementary School. Ronnie lived the north side of it. So he was transferred with other kids up to Ramona. And then um, junior high school, you would, from the, from the, uh, um, the South side of it, you would go to Lakeshore Junior High School, and then from the north side of it, you would go to uh, Kirby, uh, and um, 
um, high, during high school. I'm getting confused. Anyway, so um, we, at that time, we separated from schools, but we lived down the street from each other, so we stayed friends all the way up from kids until he passed away. And we became, we were fantastic friends. I yeah. mean, you know, fishing buddies from little kids right on up to... Um, I've read that's uh, what really bonded you, was fishing. Uh, it, we, we were some of the very first people around that I knew of that ever fished for black bass yeah. as teenagers, and pre-teenagers. You know, we we would walk down and go to the creek, or if we, when we got to, to drive, we'd get my drivers, we'd go down to the, uh, McGirt's Creek and fish for bass. We fished for bass all the way up until he passed away. Yeah. You know, and I've read that uh, Ronnie's mom actually said that he, he'd go fishing. He just loved to fish. That yeah. was just his passion in life, next to music. And, and also, over the years, I've read so much about Skinner and especially about uh, Ronnie Van Zandt, and that he was really, he, he really had a lot of dreams to get out of what they called Shantytown, which was your hometown. And uh, really, music kind of came about as a teenager after seeing a Rolling Stones concert. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. right. He, he went and saw the Rolling Stones, and that was it. He was... Uh, he was hooked on wanting to become a singer. Yeah. And, uh, was that a surprise to you? Uh, yeah, it was because, <clears throat> like I said before, he, first he wanted to be a boxer, you know, and got, that, got beat out of that right quick, like, and then wanted to be a football player, and then broke his broke his ankle, and so then, but he he had a desire. Yeah. You know, he had a desire when he when he see Mick Jagger. That was what it that was his goal. Was there ever a time that you were going to get involved in the band, and did Ronnie want you to play with them? Uh, a, a, a couple times, you know, I don't know if he was joking or whatever. He said, "Man, he said, learn how to play the guitar and you'd be in the band." <laughs> you know, that's Alan and Gary, you know. And uh, then, and uh, man, if you, uh, I don't know if you ever tried to play guitar when no. you first when you it, it's, never. <laughs> oh, it's, you have to you have to be d dedicated to play guitar. You just can't pick it up and be a clown with it. You have to yeah. be dedicated. So no. Yeah. I wasn't. Uh, that did appeal to you. So you were more really a member of the family, really, when it came to you and Ronnie became like brothers. I would say from from everything I've read in your books, as well as you know, various other sources, it sounds like you two really were as close as brothers. So it must have been uh, quite the journey for you to see your friend evolve into this huge star. It was, and pro probably a lot of our closeness, and even up until he passed away, was fishing. You know, because I wasn't a musician and. When they started rehearsing, Bob, Bob Burns' house, the garage, is where they first struck their first notes. And I know, I was around when Ronnie started putting the band together. Mm -hmm. When he got with Gary and got Bob Burns, how he hit Bob Burns with the ball. And, and, and for uh, those and, of you that don't know this story, that's a classic story about how it all kind of came together. How Ronnie basically hit him and thought, he thought he'd been injured, but he was okay. Yeah, he hit him in, in, in the shoulder blade, actually, in, right. the, in the shoulder blade, and it stung quite a bit. Bob fell down, and Ryan learned then. And me and Bob Burns were friends from from el elementary school all the way up, you know. And so um, Bob was a drummer, so he, he, we were looking for a drummer, so Bob became the drummer for the band. Yeah. Alan was the holdout. Larry Johnston, that left Skinner and went to play for 38 Special, was the first bass player. And uh, then Alan Collins. He, he was a holdout. And Ronnie was much older, a couple, four years older. Yeah, two, two and a half. Okay. Yeah. So he became sort of their mentor, father figure. That I believe I believe they called him Papa Ronnie. Uh, he, he he was older, and they were. I don't know the right word to use, but yeah, father type figure, older, more. Um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm brain dead. Well, it's it's okay. It's it's. I believe that uh, Ronnie really fostered their talent. He saw their talent, and then it, the, the, it's such an amazing more story. Matu- more mature. That yeah, would be the word to use. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, the, again, now the way that they came together is really just such an amazing story. From from coming from that background and all the challenges that came along with that, and really no inside connections. They really just did it the old-fashioned way, and they were just so talented and worked so hard, and that you were there enjoy it, it, along for the ride. Well, they wasn't so talented back then in the early days. They, Alan and Gary, Alan Collins was the sound of Leonard Skinner. Without Alan Collins, you can never, ever achieve the Leonard Skinner sound, i.e., after Alan Collins did the Alan Collins album, that, that you can never achieve the Alan Collins sound. You can never make Skinner sound like Alan Collins could. And it never had the success that they would have had with Alan Collins. So um, they, they matured. And, 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 and being Ronnie Van Zandt, being the conductor, mm-hmm. you know, there's two times, there, what do you say? He said, there's a time to play and there's a time to play. Don't mix them up. Right. You know, and that's why you, your teeth there, go missing. And there was, uh, so maybe you won't get a scar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gene, also, you know, uh, I was just curious when, you know, I know that you and Ronnie were childhood friends and that evolved. Uh, and the relationship just kind of did it grow closer as you became an adult and a young adults together. Uh, you just never really parted. You always stayed close, and that's why he offered to. He wanted you to come work for the band essentially because he trusted you so much. Yeah, I was all that, all that side, the drugs and alcohol and booze and all that stuff. I've never drank, done no drugs, never will, never would. And so, I'm the kind of person that if you're my friend, you're my friend. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, we grew up together down the street and we never had nothing and him wanting to achieve what he achieved and then me going overseas in the army and then uh, and whatever but um, our, our friendship was everlasting. So you saw him all through through all the different incarnations that Ronnie took in his quest for success so um, if you could just speak to the people a little bit about you know Ronnie's experience with his little short lived boxing career that he embarked on and Things that also baseball, I believe, and football. If you could just expand on that for a little bit, I think people really want to know who the man was and what what led to this you know this great musician that he became. Well, early on, he wanted to be a boxer, you know, like Cassius Clay, and so um, he got some boxing gloves or whatever and um, boxed around us and uh, you know the kids, and then uh, he thought he was getting pretty good, being a pretty good boxer, and then Estes Godwin lived over on Pangola, stocky, several years older than us, a couple of years, three years, whatever. Tough guy, tough guy. And so he put the gloves on Ronnie and just beat Ronnie down. Oh, well. Beat the piss out of him, actually. <laughs> and so that was embarrassing. And so that ended Ronnie's boxing career. He didn't want no more boxing after that. Did he also at one time he wanted to be a uh, race car driver? You all used to go to the speed. The the uh, I've read anyway that you were at. The, you spent a lot of your time at the Speedway Park. Yeah, we would get in the trees on the between the uh, second and third turn and climb the trees. Sometimes we'd jump over the, uh, the berm and go into the track. And uh, Leroy Yarber came from our neighborhood. He he was a famous race car driver. He was extremely okay. famous. He yeah. would have been he would have been the biggest if he hadn't got in those bad wrecks. But um, he. Uh, I was overseas in the Army. Leroy Yarber from the West Side is only the second NASCAR driver to ever win the Triple Crown. Oh, yeah. 
and dear friends. And he was from Jacksonville too. Right there on the west side, right, right there when we shanty town, and he would have been big, big, big time. But he got some bad, bad wrecks and um, got bit by a tick, and the tick is what brought him down. Mm. Now there's a, there's a story that I keep hearing about this uh, bloop ball. Can you share that with the folks? Bloop ball. That's a plastic ball in a plastic bat. As kids, we get in the front, right front yard, and we would play, you know, bloop ball. And down down the street, there's a church across from the old Curtis Lowe store. We play football, but we would play blue ball with that plastic ball. We was in Ronnie's front yard playing Speedy Pitts. Lived a couple houses down from Ronnie, uh, uh, another original friend. And we were playing blue ball. And right at the end of the carport, there was a huge. It's still there, part of it. Um, cane, uh, cane. Um, I can't think of now. Um, uh, sugar cane? Not, not sugar cane, but uh, bamboo. Oh, bamboo. Okay. Tall bamboos, and we'd run, jump off of the carport and ride them down, and uh, they would come back up, and we'd ride them down. But um, I was about to, I was at bat, and I hit the boom. I smacked that blue ball up into those bamboos, and we couldn't find it. Oh no! And they go, yeah, I mean, Gino to me, young off the ball, you know. And so <laughs> somebody. Somebody came up with a golf ball. Speedy Pitts was pitching. Somebody came up with a golf ball, and Ronnie runs in the house and comes out with a Louisville Slugger, 32-inch Louisville Slugger. And I was my, I was still at bat. Speedy pitched that golf ball in her hand, and I hit it with that Louisville Slugger and hit him right in the stomach. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd killed him. We all ran. A big old knot came up with us. <laughs> and a couple of days later, he was fine. But we, uh, he went from uh, wanting to uh, uh, Lee High School when he was, before he got out, before he got knocked Nadine out and got pregnant. Uh, she got pregnant, not Ronnie. But um, <laughs> He helped, right? <laughs> he helped. And uh, that wasn't the only one he got pregnant. We'll get to that. But anyway, <laughs> and so uh, um, uh, um, So Nadine. Uh, yeah, um, what was I saying? We hit Speedy and we came right. out and then that. But, oh, then at Lee High School he wanted to be a football player. I'm not sure if it was Jim Brown or who, but Ronnie wanted to be a football player. I think I read that he loved the Green Bay Packers. I think he loved he the Packers, that, yeah. yeah. And so he uh, got on to, got on Lee High School with the team, and from practice, the first game from scrimmage practice, he got the ball, and it broke his ankle. He got tackled and broke his ankle, and they had to put pins in it. Mm-hmm. And putting those pins in his ankle made him 4F, so he couldn't be drafted. Couldn't be drafted. Circling back real quick, um, if we could discuss, you, you mentioned the, the uh, Curtis Lowe, so one of my favorite songs, and it's so many, I mean, it's just brilliant. It's such a sh- uh, so many of the Skinner songs are, are, are just short stories, really. I mean, that's just really, that's what, en- I believe that's what engages people so much, and, and they, can, they, they can relate to them so much. Uh, I've, I've read in the past that you've said that they really didn't, that he really wasn't necessarily always recycling, having to go recycle and things like that because he was okay as far as financially goes but uh, from his dad his dad would help him out here and there well his dad got was a truck driver right. and he got in a bad accident mm-hmm. and so uh, obviously made some money whatever so the vans that's w- wasn't poor folks like us uh, they were considered the same kind of but folks but um the Van Zets were too proud. Ronnie Van Zett would not go and pick up no Coke bottles. I picked them up in the ditches. So maybe he took a little creative license. I'm glad he did because it's a great song. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure at some point in his life he must have recycled. He told me point blank. <laughs> he said, those Coke bottles, I picked up the Coke bottles. That's about you because you picked them Coke bottles up. Well, Gene, so you, professionally now, you in your personal life and what you've done for a living since, the, you know, you... 
uh, have worked as a welder, is mm -hmm. that correct? And are you still doing any kind of work, or are you more retired now? No, I was a union iron worker, welder, and uh, my leg got messed up in the Army mm -hmm. in 1970. And so uh, I have a little problem with it, grabs, uh, nerves grab, and it, it, it's extremely painful. Anyway, so it did that one day when I was up in the air iron working at the brewery, addition of the brewery, and I fell. And I got beat up, banged up, and busted my, broke my ribs all up, and banged my liver up. So, yeah. uh, with all my airplane crash injuries and everything. So you've had, you've dealt with a lot of health consequences from uh, that. Yeah. They put me on social security in 19, 1990. Okay, and so really, you've you've written you've written several books, and now with the latest movie out, with the docket, the two books. Um, I was just looking at the uh, the the, the uh, I'll never forget you last night, which is wonderful and really kind of really it really expresses the the relationship that you had with Ronnie and 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 really the rest of the band too so many of them that you were good friends with Leon Leon and you were also very close oh, yeah. it seems Alan and me and Leon were real close Alan also so do, you had a special relationship with them mm -hmm. and did, did uh, you want to share anything with the audience about those two gentlemen um Leon that, was that a, stands out to you yeah excuse me um me and Alan were really close and um, actually, Alan Collins is the one that got me to finish this book. I was in the hospital after the plane crash. I spent a month in the hospital. I was, they told me I was going to have memory problems from the head injury. So I'd write little things down. I tried to write down, you know, poems and stuff, you know. And so when Alan Collins started to put the Alan Collins band together in 83, he said, man, finish your book, put it together, publish it yourself, print some copies, and you can sell them at my shows and do my merchandising. And so I took and all the stuff that I had been writing, period, and, and, and remembering and, and put this little book together in 1983. And so um, that's how this came about. And uh, I got some poetry and stuff in there that, that I had wrote and, and put together and put in the book. And um, it was extremely touching, you know, the way this, I wrote this just like I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. I don't have no education, so it, it shows in this book, but it's just Gene Odom it's living. from the heart. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's a very special picture because you're in it with the whole band, which is uh, a lot of people would love to be in that picture. Well, the, the, this picture is, is, is deceiving. Um, the secretary was in here. This picture was taken in Long Island Coliseum, summer of 77, and there was another person in here. But when this picture was being taken, the cameraman, I dodged behind the cameraman. Ronnie Grip runs out and grabbed me. He says, you're getting in this picture, buddy. You ain't dodging this one. <laughs> And Alan Collins wasn't in this photograph. Okay. I wanted to use this photograph for the book, yeah. so I had to find a headshot of Alan to add him in there. And I took all of the graffiti off of the wall. Maybe we can show it to the audience too. So this oh, is the this yeah. is the book that we're talking about, and there's there's Gene Odom right there with all the boys. And uh, I believe is this still available on Amazon? No, so, no, this book's not available. Uh, yeah. I only printed the, the, the copy. Yeah, might, I think people might have an interest in, in reading it, that again. I, 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 I'm having trouble trying to find a printer. If I could find a printer, I'd print it up. Well, we, we might be able to help you with that. And I have, I have another question about Leon, because I read in I read in one of your books that he um, Leon was like a real character, and he went to an, a big event in Hollywood that uh, he was dancing with Mae West, of all people. And if you could expand on that, that's such a story that I think people would love to hear about Leon, because he, he was known for doing a lot of shenanigans. So He, he, was, he was a shenaniganist, is what he was. But <laughs> Now, I wasn't there for that, so I can't, uh, uh, I can't talk about that, because I wasn't there. Yeah, okay. Well, as far as any, any special story that you'd like to share about him, because uh, the audience, really, they have a, a tremendous fondness for him. Yeah, I'll here's one for you. 
um, it was, um, um, there's two. Uh, I don't know where it was at, Salt Lake City or somewhere anyway. Uh, uh, you know, you had to, you had to watch some people. And I had to, I had to watch all of them, and, you know, uh, at the same time. And there was a big commotion down out from the hotel. Um, a guy, an old guy was walking his dog down the road. And they thought somebody had come by in a car and hit him with a bottle. Oh. And just blood everywhere, just, you know. And so, and I was, I was, I was jogging, I was running. And they come by, you know, wow, we, you know. Some, they, they, they didn't know who did it, who hit him with a car. They hauled him to the hospital. So I finished my jogging exercise and I come back up to the room, you know. And I'm talking and find out. Oh no! Leon Wilkerson had a whiskey bottle. Mm. That guy walking Leon seven floors up. Leon threw the bottle, thinking that it was going to hit in front of the guy and scare him, and the bottle hit the guy in the head. Oh! Thank God they didn't never find out that Leon yeah. did that. Oh good. And, that, and here's another one for you. Um, he would, That'd be bad. Leon had picked this girl up. I'll get where we was at. Seven, ten, twelve, fifteen floor. Whatever where it was at, and. Uh, He'd pick this girl up, you know, and um, she, had a, she had a beautiful red dress. I remember that from the start with. And so uh, a little while later, I heard this commotion, you know, and she's screaming, and she comes out in the hallway screaming, you know, and she's holding her dress. Now, what, what, what's going on? She, he ripped my dress all the hell. He, he got a, I just bought this dress. Whatever, you know, I said, just calm down. I put down a $100 bill. I said, here, this will pay for your dress. Yeah. She said, okay. I said, where's Leon at? He's hanging on the balcony out there over there, about 12, 14 stores up here. I look out the window, Leon's hanging on, <laughs> hanging out there over this street. I grabbed him, pulled him up. Man, what the hell? You know, he went, ah, she wouldn't give me nothing, so I was mad. And I said, well, God, get in there. You know, if his fingers were slipped, he'd have been dead. He'd have fell to the ground. Well, they, I mean, Skinner is famous for, you know, for... For for being wild, I oh, mean, yeah. it's, it's it it was what it was. They were yeah. in their twenties and they were you know newfound fame, and and I think that everybody everybody knows all the the story the the stories that have been told about them. There's no there's no secrets there. I think that uh, you know that's probably typical of most rock and rollers, especially probably. in the seventies. So. Um, but you know he he in particular had a, there was a couple of a couple of good ones about Leon, but it really just uh, millions of them, <laughs> millions of them. And mm. I'm sure you could you could probably spend. Uh, months and not years on this podcast and I hope mm -hmm. you do I hope that it does it does become that for you uh you know another thing that I wanted to talk to you about that I've I've just been picking up for, about you is this, this this your intense love of fishing and your trips that you do and all that is can you speak to me about that a little bit I'm just curious like is that something that you're still actively doing yeah yeah, yeah my, my grandson just got him a boat a triton bass boat and he loves to fish he might be a professional one day um there's something about fishing that's um, therapeutic for you? Therapeutic. Yeah. And nowadays, you know, I have to find something to do every day for the post-traumatic stress yeah. disorder. And that's something I wanted to touch on, if you, if you don't mind, if it's not too personal. Yeah. Um, and I promise, I'm, with respect, I ask you these questions. And I can tell you from my perusing on the Internet and being on different, um, you know, th different sites, people genuinely love you and care about you. And they, they want to know that they want the best for you. And uh, I was just curious if that is something that is still affecting you on a daily basis, if you are, have found better coping mechanisms. Fishing is a great one. But are there other things that you're doing to help you kind of just get through that pain and, and navigate life for it's not so painful? Just doing what I'm doing every day, getting yeah. up, you know, and... 
And I'm so happy that you're here sharing your stories because that's part of the process and that's great. It's a a process that'll never end because I I am the one person that should have stopped that play. You know, and it it eats me up 24-7 every day that I didn't do that. I mean, Mm. you can come up with all kinds of excuses that God does this, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I knew what the contract said, I would I'd have stopped it. And I should have done something and Ronnie's death hits me in the face every day. Every single day. I, I don't ever think about why didn't I do it? Why didn't yeah. I stop it? Yeah. I'm sure that's a, a huge burden to bear, I'm sure. And it's uh you know, but just so you know, I, I personally believe that most people just do, nobody would ever blame you or think that uh, anything ill about you. So you, they don't have to blame me. I blame myself. Well, you know? And I, I'll ne- it'll never, it'll never change. Yeah. You know, I see his face all the time, and you know, he, the life he never had, mm. the damn cell phone. Man, that guy would have been amazed at a cell phone. Mm. You know? That's a really interesting point. That yeah, he missed all that technology, the 70s and the 80s and yeah. the 90s. Well, the 70s, with the end of the 70s, into the 80s and 90s was so different. What do you think would have happened with him? What, what do you think would, if you were to project, what do you think would have been uh, if, if, if Ronnie had survived I, and the other band members? I know exactly what would have survived. He'd have kept that band going just like it was. He wouldn't have given it to Johnny. Anybody, Craig Reed one time says that Ronnie talked about Johnny's voice was better. Johnny's voice was better than, than Ronnie's or Donnie's. But anybody that thinks Ronnie Van Zant would have gave up his music to anybody, you're crazy. Now he would have kept that going. He wouldn't have had to play all the time they like they played. It'd be like the Stones, mm-hmm. you know, four, five, six, eight big shows a year or something like that. He'd have probably sit out with Merle Haggard and did a little country writing. He might have done some country stuff, but he'd have never turned his back on what he died for. Never. His music. Never. Yeah. So that was really his passion. I mean, it showed, and he was so unique in his even his. I, you know, I was reading your book too that his voice wasn't always perfect, but it just it was perfect for his music, for his band. And they're saying that his voice was going bad. It wasn't. Of course, he sing, and Simple Man was the worst one to sing because of the high notes. But when when uh, Johnny was going from his daddy's house to his mobile home, when they were having the meeting to put the tribute band together, and I t- told Johnny about they were going to call him. He says, no, "Don't tell, don't call me, Gene. I'm not going to sing my brother's songs. I can't sing my brother's songs. I would never do it." And so I, I, he said, listen, I'm telling you, man. I said, Johnny, he said, I don't, don't want to hear it. I thought we were going to fight. He said, I ain't singing my brother's songs. I could never do it. And I said, think about it. Do it for the money and give your mom and daddy half the money. Make you feel better. And you could see a light bulb go off. He went, well, you know, I could do that. But as soon as, as, soon as this tribute tour is over, I'm putting my band back together. Now, he did that. As soon as the tribute tour was over, Johnny put the Johnny Van Zandt back together. Mm-hmm. Gave me his merchandising business. Another horrible mistake on the part of Gene Odom by taking Johnny's merchandise business. The Johnny Van Zandt band couldn't draw flies at a shit-slinging contest. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. And that's point blank straight from the heart. So I gather you're not going to any of the new concerts, right? <laughs> no, no. And John, he, he, he gave up his Johnny Van Zandt band, and him and Gary put the tribute band back together. Right. So Gene... Thank you for sharing that, by the way, because that's, you know, that's some, like, really... It's a little harsh, but it's truth. Okay, and I know sometimes it's, you know, that we, we, when you speak from the heart, sometimes it just comes out, and I don't think anybody judges you for that, and that's... And people appreciate your honesty and your candor, as do I. So, and it, I can tell you that as a person that is, you know, I'm fascinated by this band. I really am. I mean, I just can't believe the history of them. And I'll tell you what ties into that is in the studio doing the Street Survivors album in Atlanta. I'm doing nothing. I'm up there doing this. And we're talking, and Steve Gaines is in the studio, and Alan and Gary are sitting on the couch out here. So I told Ronnie, I said, man, let me go back 
He said, go home and work on my property, fill up the holes, potholes, and fix all that. Uh, I said, I'm leaving. I told Alan that Gary, I said, Steve Gaines, I said, that boy right there is going to teach y'all something, son. He's hot stuff. And he went, Meh. and I'm telling you. So it was Ronnie walked me to the door. And I said, man, that guy's hot stuff. Ronnie Van Zandt said, that's the best thing that ever happened to this band. And I, I've heard that many times. I mean, he just was, you know, that. what does he say? That boy can play? You know, he was funky oh, and he could play. Man. So, I mean, what what yeah. I, I think it's required listening that everybody should listen to one more one more from the road oh, and man. just keep it keep it on a, a, on your turntable because it's just, you get to know the band listening to that and yeah. how their personalities were. And it's just it's so interesting to be with you because talking with you, it's, it's just, I mean, it's like a really piece of history right here. Yeah. And there's so many people like me that are fascinated by your input and your, your, your feelings and your opinions. And uh, we have some questions from Facebook that I'd like to share with you, if that's okay. Certainly. And uh, they're kind of interesting. It's funny. People, uh, people, people have been wanting to know where you are, Gene, and they're happy you're back. And they want, they want, they want to see more of you. And they want to hear more from you. So the first question is a little, a little, little out there, we'll say, maybe for you. But I, I hope you can re understand, be okay with it, and not, not think that I'm a little wacky by asking you. And the question is, if you believe in the supernatural, does, Ronnie's vis does Ronnie visit you in your dreams? This is from Trudy from Facebook. And she's basically asking if you, know, if you had any kind of uh, experiences like that after, after his passing. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll tell you what. For your question, and Trudy. this is Trudy. It's a, it's a good question because that's something I, I, it was on my mind too. I kind of wondered about will, that. This will answer your question. Uh, it was. It wasn't long after the, the crash. I don't know exactly when it was, but I, t I titled it after I wrote it. After I put it together. Ronnie's song. I tried to make a song. I'm not a. I'm not a songwriter. And it's a true story. I was asleep, and I, it, it'll tell it. I was asleep in my bed in the middle of the night. When I woke in a cold sweat, I was dreaming of a happening, a time in the past, when I saw some friends of mine in a distant place. Was this a dream I was dreaming? Was this a vision that I seen? He told me to tell the boys to keep on playing. Cause there's more to this song than I'm saying. I saw a barefoot shadow walking toward me wearing a black hat and a black shirt. He spoke to me. I was in a daze. He said, listen to me, friend. I've got something to say. Hmm. We talked for a while. Then he said, I'll be seeing you. Take care of my boys, friend. You know what to do. He turned and walked right out of my sight like the shadow would do in the dark of the night. I said, come back. I want to see, feel, and be near you. A voice I've never heard before said, you have seen, you can feel, and he will always be near you. Tell everybody I love them, especially my family. Tell them I'll always be around because I'm part of an old southern town. Pray for me, think of me, let my name be a household sound. I'm not far away. Okay. Just in another town. Thunder and lightning began to roar. Drums and guitars began to soar. A voice I've always known and loved. <clears throat> Cried out from the heavens above. Keep on playing. One day we'll all be free. Oh, that was beautiful, Gene. And that was hard for you. 
That was, thank you for sharing that. And, and I believe that to be true, that he's with you and that he, you know, he, uh, he never left you, really. No, he never left me. I see his face every day. Yep. And you hear songs on the radio, you know, uh, it brings it all back. You know, he's still, he's not here, but you can feel him at your Spirit. fingertips. You know, you can feel it. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that, Gene. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I have a couple more questions. When are you up to it? No more like that. No, I won't do that to you again. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. I know how emotional it is for you. Yeah. You take, take your time. And maybe we'll lighten it up a little bit. Because, you know, listen, Ronnie was funny. So was the rest of the band. That's You'll notice I only got the white one out. The plastic <laughs> one don't cry. Yeah. Oh, well. And that was a result of the plane crash. So you're, you're yeah. a strong person. I was just saying how, you know, Skinner never took themselves too seriously. They were a fun band. You know, they were a man's band, really, in many ways. But oh, they, uh, you know, they, women loved them. Everybody loved them. But they, they were funny. They had a good tongue-in-cheek quality about them. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of people have wondered if Ronnie would have had, like, a, if he would have maybe gone into, like, country, if you think he would have been a country singer. Uh, this gentleman, Jim, has asked this question. If you think that... Uh, Johnny would, excuse me, Ronnie would have had a uh, country, more of a solo career, or if he, had, there was also rumors that he was going to start a, like a girl band with the Honkettes. Is any of that true, or? He might have tried to do, uh, let the girls do a record, but that was 50-50. Who, who was his biggest, was his biggest influence, Merle Haggard, or? He loved, uh, he loved Merle, Hank Williams, Merle Hank Haggard, Williams. he loved Merle Haggard. He yeah. probably would have sat down with Merle, he hadn't met Merle yet, he probably would have sat down with Merle and wrote some songs and, um done a country album, but he'd have never gave up his Skinner thing, yeah. never, ever. Well, this is someone, this is someone that knows you, <laughs> and he wants to know if you've shipped up your stuff yet. Tell him I was thinking of him. And this is from a friend of yours named Dave. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's old Dave. Uh, this is the beauty of Facebook, is that Massa people can, you know, reach out to you. That Dave Musgrove from up there in uh, Massachusetts. Uh, uh, Dave is, is snow asshole deep to a tall end in the day up there. <laughs> it's kind of cold down here in the studio here. I'm about to freeze to death. Well, this is another one. This is from Bob, and this is this is right up your alley. This will cheer you up. What's what's your big what what's your biggest bluegill? Well, Bob, um, you're gonna find this hard to believe, but my biggest bluegill weighed 27 pounds. Now, I know you ain't gonna believe that bluegill weighed 27 pounds, but to make you believe that is the cricket I was using for bait weighed six pounds. So there you go. <laughs> We'll get to that later. Oh, another one we have at uh, Dear Gene, do you have a relationship with either of Ronnie's girls or, Gar or Gary? Uh, that's from Amanda from Facebook. Uh, not what really. Are, the status of your relationship is sort of on hold or not non-existent. Uh, let's just say not really. Okay, that's yeah. fine. That's a, and this is the kind of things people want to know. They're just so curious. Uh, another one from Lisa. Is there a picture of you and Ronnie as children? That's a good one. I think I've seen one with you from the Morris Auto Parts with him. Is that correct? There's Together or not? There's, or is it separate? There was one where they couldn't figure out if it was you or Ronnie. Well, you had Ronnie the same haircut. Ronnie's in that. I'm in very few, very few. I dodged all the cameras. That's why in this picture I dodged this cameraman and Ronnie ran out there and grabbed me by the neck, this was a, this was a day on the green in California. He said, you getting in this photograph, buddy, and drug me back over there. I dodged all the cameras. There's not a lot of pictures of Gene Odom anywhere. Yeah, not a picture guy. I wasn't a camera bug. Okay. Uh, I have another one here. Uh, this one is from, um, let's see. This one's from, well, th that's another fishing question. Everybody wants to know about your fishing, Gene. I think everybody, the whole world wants to go fishing with Gene Odom. Maybe we need to start a... <laughs> 
<laughs> start that. I'm going to start. My grandson's got a bass boat. I'm going to start taking people fishing. Now, this one's from Leon. How was Ronnie and Alan's relationship? This is interesting. Off stage. I heard Alan had quit one time and returned shortly after. That's from Leon. I don't ever recall Alan Collins quitting, quitting. and leaving the band. Leon left a couple times early on, you know, and uh, the Bob Burns had trouble back then, and a couple of times Ricky Medlock come to fill in on the drums, but Ricky Medlock was never original member of Leonard Skinner. If he had been original, been original member of Leonard Skinner band, he'd be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's not. Um, uh, and like an Alan, not that I know of him, mean, he he might have left briefly, mad, but, you know, uh, they get drunk and drunk fighting amongst each other, you know. And, uh, I don't know if it. So that could happened. have been maybe a drunken moment. It could have been. I don't recall it. Of course, I was overseas in the army times, and I wasn't around all the time, and didn't hang around the hell house all that much. Yeah. I have a. There's another question from Joanne. She wants to know what age were you when you met Ronnie? I can't remember. We were babies. So that must have been, I mean, you, before uh, you were able to remember, probably oh, yeah. in diapers. Yeah. For, for, before we went to elementary school. I mean, yeah. we were back then. You go to elementary school. You start at five years old. So somewhere between. You know, zero and five years old, and all the way up to 29. I mean, I can't remember exactly what age we were. I have another one from Tom. This is a good one. He wants to know um, there's a book by uh, Lacey, which is Ronnie's father, yeah. um, which is the family family scrapbook, which actually I do own a copy of. It was hard to find, by the way. Well, they, and it, it wasn't cheap, it was expensive, but it was nice to have. Lacey didn't print many of them. I, I, I would venture to say there's probably not, there's probably less than 500 of them. Yeah, they're he hard to find. And they're he, signed. Yeah, he didn't print many of them. Yeah. Were you around when he was putting that together? Yeah, but at the same time, we were what you would call, uh, on the right word, we, me and him had a falling out. Um, you had to know Lacey to know Lacey. But um, we had a falling out. And after that, it, he, he, put, he put the scrapbook together. I don't know what year it was. And one of the, one of the guys in the neighborhood helped him. Helped him put it together. Well, I have another. Fa I have another Facebook question. And wouldn't you know it? Take a guess what it's about. Fishing. Fishing. <laughs> and they want to know what is. What do you use to plug with? Uh, different plugs. You know, jigs and you know, and uh, rapalas, uh, spinner baits. Uh, and my grandson has showed me so much new stuff they got. Um, 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 uh, um, what the word are you? Crawfish, uh, plastic crawfish, rubber crawfish, crawfish you know, and, and t water plugs, and they got so many jokes. Mm -hmm. But me and Ronnie always used to use uh, plastic worms a lot, a lot of uh, old Bagley, Jim Bagley's old monster worm, nine inch. He loved the purple, and I used the black. And when we, he called his big trophy bass, he was using the, the uh, purple Jim Bagley's old monster worm. Looks like a regular fishing worm, except it's bigger, and it's shaped like a, a regular nightcrawler, a little bigger. Well, staying on that topic, uh, only because it is so pertinent to you and Ronnie's relationship, that was sort of the glue that, that really was your commonality. If you could share with us a story about when Ronnie caught the big bass. It, it, if, I think that was 1977, correct? If I can do it, yeah, summertime, um, without crying. Ronnie always wanted an old truck, and he always wanted a trophy bass. I had caught several big bass. I had a couple, two or three mounted. Back then, you mounted them. You don't do that nowadays. And so um, we were we were off the road, and uh, 
we went down, we were going down Lake, Lan Lake Delancey down in the Ocala National Forest. Got down there, you know, John boat, you know, in the back of my truck. And when we got down there, just the sun was just about to come up, and it started raining. And he was just fixing to release the, um, he was working on the uh, Street Survivors album. And um, it started to rain. And he said, man, let's go home, Gene. It's, it's raining. I said, man, look, don't worry about it. He said, oh, man, come on. Uh, let's go home. I don't want to get out here in the rain. I said, well, I said, it'll, this is Florida. It'll stop in a minute. So he get a little perturbed. said, hey, man, let's just go home. Come on, let's go home. And it, the sun, it just came up a little bit. And I looked down on the uh, the hood of the truck. I went, see, it's stopping, man. It's stopping right now. I said, but there, it stopped raining. Come on, let's go fishing. This is your day. I felt in here that it was Ronnie's day to get a trophy of bass. We got in, and when we put in there, we'd always go down to the left. Ooh, ooh I got a torn rotator cuff. And we start fishing on the left side of the bank there. And so he was in the front of the boat, and I was in the back, and I was rowing him along there, you know. And he threw that old monster worm over there and that old sawgrass. That worm hit top of that sawgrass, and that worm fell and hit the water. When it hit the water, that, that old big old swirl. I said, man, there's your trophy bass right there. Set the hook. So he set the hook, and when he started fighting, I said, keep it out of the grass. You know, and he, started, he went screaming, oh, my God, we got a dip net. That morning, we got the dip net out of the car, and I grabbed a hold of it, and it was rotted, and it tore the nash all up went that, throw it down. We didn't have a dip net. He was screaming, my God, we ain't got a dip net, Gene. I said, just keep the line tight. Get him over here. And so I get him in the boat. He fought the old bass, and the old bass tore the drag out, and we put got back in him. He got close to the boat. I grabbed that old bass up and threw that big old bass over the boat. By the way, it weighed 13 pounds, 8 wow. ounces. that's amazing. That's a, that's a big bass. <laughs> out of season, that bass went away with 18, 19 pounds in season. And I threw the boat, and, and, and uh, he's, he started grabbing, hugging, grabbing, screaming, hollering, screaming, that's my bass, man. Yeah, and the boat rocking. I said, you're going to rock the, you're going to sink the boat, man. Calm down. He grabbed me. He said, this is great, man. This is, oh, my God, look, Gene. Come on, let's go weigh it. So we had to go weigh the bass and um, uh, put the bass in a big, big live well, and we went to come back and fish. So even with all his musical accomplishments and the band getting gold records, it this this was really probably the biggest thing next to that, or that was maybe the best, bigger. That, that was the best day of his life right there. Wow. That, and you that you were there to share it with if him. If you knew Ronnie Van Zandt and you seen the look on his face and how he reacted, he didn't react like that. There was no way. He, he didn't make no scene, no kind of no way. No. I'll tell you about New York. Uh, that was the best day of his life. The reason, he didn't cause a conflict that was seen. Um, it was the summer in New York, and he loved to go to New York because back then they used to have called Movies Till Dawn. They played old movies all night long. Hmm. And he loved to go see Bella Lugosi oh. and, and Dracula. And, that's something I never heard of. That's um, I've never heard that he did that. That's, this is oh, why he, it's he loved it. he so loved great that you're talking to us. Watching old movies. And so we yeah. were up there. We ordered a steak. Back then it was a fancy steak, big fancy hotel, $25 for the steak. It's probably, wow. a, it's probably a $300 steak probably. now. And so, and they they cured their own meat in the hotel. So we got a hotel, and we got our steaks in the dinner, you know. And, we, and, and I knew something was wrong. I went, man, this ain't right. This, this, oh, man, don't say nothing, Gene. 
I said, man, I'm telling you, hey, this ain't right. This stink is. This not. This, you don't think he said, don't say nothing, man. I'm paying for it. You just don't cost you nothing. I said, I'm calling down. He said, man, don't do that, Gene. He said, I said, listen, this hotel wouldn't want this to happen. So I called down there and told the person. I said, there's something wrong. They come up. The guy went, ooh, and they took they took our they took our meals. And a little while later, the head chef comes up with the two best meals in the world. Mm. And he said, what happened is that whoever cut the steaks. They cut it too close to the outside of the meat, wow. and so the meat was kind of like it wasn't tough. It, it was tough, but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't right. Yeah. And they said, "We appreciate y'all telling us about this because this won't happen anymore." And I said, "See, Ryan went, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but he didn't make a scene. You know, he didn't make a scene. It was more. He seemed. Yeah. See, it's funny because the interviews I've seen, he seemed very soft-spoken man. I've read that several times." And to, it was really that passion that came out in the music was just intense. Yeah. Um, steak and potato guy, huh? Like you? Yeah, steak and potatoes, yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. Eat, he'd eat no salad. He didn't like no salad. No? <laughs> rabbit, he, called, he called it rabbit food. <laughs> now, if he, if he if he has several drinks or he gets a little intoxicated, then the scene wouldn't have been a problem. Yeah. But if he's not if he's not tipsy or whatever, don't, he don't make no scene. And that's kind of what led you to becoming security director, that you never imbibed, correct? You never drank, you oh, never smoked, nothing like that? Never. Was that from your childhood? Was that something that you're... I seen, I seen what it did to people, alcohol, my family, yeah. you know, booze and drugs and stuff like right. that, you know, but mainly booze. Yeah, that, that takes a lot of willpower. Oh, it does, you know. Especially I, when you're around people that are doing it. it yeah. It's, I, it, I've, I've never had a desire to do it, never do it. I would yeah. never do it. Mick Jagger called me a freak. Ronnie got me to be his bodyguard in 75. And so we're... Another thing I never knew. Uh, and so uh, I was Mick Jagger's bodyguard security for the Stones in 1975 on the tour of the Americas. Really? Yeah. New Year's, big, big New Year's party. They were drinking, they were pumping, it was Dom Perignon. Mm -hmm. And it was expensive back then. It was probably, it was probably ten times that way it was back then. And they make, had a bottle of Dom Perignon. I said, hold them. I said, Mick, I don't drink. I said, man, it's New Year's. I said, Mick, I've never tasted alcohol. I don't drink. And Mick went, what? He said, you're a freak. I said, well, I guess I <laughs> Maybe he wrote a song about you. Gene, let me ask you something. Has anybody ever asked you, what's your favorite Leonard Skinner song? Ballad of Curtis Lowe. Oh, yeah, that's a classic. Because I know that the song was about me, me picking up soda bottles in, 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 in the ditches. And I, I knew Claude Hamner. And so uh, that's where the Curtis Lowe story came from. You know, and I know how the song was put together. And yeah, I, and it's such a, again, another short story. They're not, they're not just songs. These are short stories. And I, you know, I believe that uh, there's a reason that you're here today, Gene. And I, and truly, the questions are coming in from Facebook, and uh, a gal named Tammy has written in, and she believes that Ronnie is watching over you right now. Laughing. Yeah, he's probably laughing. He probably liked that steak story where you talked about him not eating rabbit food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he really, you know, uh, this, is, this is a sentiment that's coming through with a lot of these questions that are coming in, so, and, and comments, and so Tammy feels that way. And uh, I believe that to be true. You know, you've been a good friend to him all through the years. And do you have any intentions of writing any more books? I know that the, the movie on Amazon, which is, I, I, it, touched me, it touched me deeply. It really did. I, 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 I watched it kind of just to, out of curiosity, and I could not take my eyes off it. I was especially struck by your sincerity, as well as Leslie, who, uh, and really everybody that spoke. Um, I would have liked to even watch more. I, I, wanted, I wanted it to keep going on. I mean, it was such a, of course, such a sad subject matter. But I, it, it I, I would never do another Leonard Skinner type book because my, my story's been told, you know. And um, the new band, you know, they got they got a, that's a that's a horror story there. But well, not to be it's, it's, right. So getting what, just focusing a little bit, I wanted to ask you. 
with Leslie. Do you have a friendship with her? Where you guys yeah. talk? Yes, such a nice lady, such a class act. I mean, if you watch the Amazon movie, it is so special. And she really suffered really through the years, as you all did. I mean, the ramifications of any kind of a major crash like that are huge. And uh, you, you know, so uh, I think it was really important that you all did that, and that you 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 kind of galvanize the group to get together and talk about it and that's that's the first step to healing even all these years later it still is very painful and I believe I, I believe Ronnie would want you to have a very good life all of you I'm sure uh, that yeah I mean he sounds like he was uh, truly your best friend too to you as good a friend to you as you are to him yeah but um, I, I, for, for what I went through after this airplane crash and with the Skinner with the Skinner bunch and of course Ronnie told me about Gary two nights before he died and everything that man said came true. He was a visionary, and so, so financially it just devastated me. You know, I lost my pension, and I told Ronnie, I said before, he said, "Come on, just take care of me, work me." I said, "No, man, these bands break up all the time. I'll go out with you a little bit here, a little bit there, but I, I got a pension. I got an ironworker pension when I retire. He said, I'm gonna take care of you, man. You take care of me, I'll take care of you. I'll make you rich. You know, I lost everything." Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, we, we we can't see these things. We don't know what's going to come. Oh, and everybody I know that you know is a Skinner fan wishes you so all good things for all of you. Uh, you know, I'm I'm pit around, pit around here, pit around there, but it 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 it, it cost me. It really cost me. I'm sure. Yeah, it's not. Uh, that's not. Nobody. Nobody can put it into words what mm -hmm. you've been through. So, and also Leslie and uh, who's the other gentleman? Was that Craig, uh, Craig Reed that was speaking on the um, in the movie? Yeah, Craig Reed. Yeah. yeah. And do, did you have, you have a personal relationship with him as yeah. well? Uh, Craig's. I like Craig. Yeah. Yeah. And that day, I mean, not to and and not to keep. I, I don't want to upset you because I know that you've already been. It's a very emotional topic, and I know it really has. It really is with you every day of your life. It's never left you. Uh, the, I'm speaking for people from Facebook because the questions keep coming in, and uh, the people want to know what what is your involvement now at the memorial? Do you do you feel like you you know do, do, is that is that too hard to go to in in Gillsburg, Mississippi? Are you able to go there? And I know we met there, but is it something that you would like to do routinely and spend time with them? And or is it just too upsetting? No, it's it's they did a real good job. It's, yeah. it's touching, and they um, the way they did it and. Um, of course, I don't know how much it costs, but I know it's not paid for itself yet or anything. And it's just really, it's really touching. It's beautiful, and yeah. it's um, those men did that. They really, I mean, they they did receive some contributions, and I have gotten to know some of them, and they are, just, all of them are just unbelievable people. They are. I mean, and they and their slogan really is is amazing, and I love it. And it's, they say we we didn't find Leonard Skinner. Leonard Skinner found us, and. You couldn't meet a better group of people. I mean, they're just—they're really the salt of the earth. Very kind. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so they—and I know they were really touched that you came that day. Um, so I just was curious. I was curious as well as others if you know that would be something you'd be, you can see yourself going back to visit again. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. You mm -hmm. betcha. You betcha. Yeah. Well, Gene, it's been been a journey for you in your life. I mean, and your stories. They just for example, the story you just told about Mick Jagger offering you champagne. I mean, I never heard that, and I've read a lot about y'all. Yeah. I, I like the Stones. The Stones are yeah. good, good people. Yeah, I worked with a short, uh, worked with them a short while, and could have worked with them again. They, they might have, it was in '78, I think they came down to Orlando. They did a tour, invited me to come down, and of course I wasn't able to work, you know. And, and uh, we, we had a good conversation. They bought me a big suite, and uh, and uh, they, they were they're decent people, good people. Yeah. And so no regrets that you never. Took Ronnie's uh, advice to learn an instrument and be in the band because I know that they approached you. Uh, yeah, I, um, 
If I could learn how to play a guitar, I might have been a musician, might have some money. Well, you, you know? have some music. I, I could see some of these poems being turned into a song for sure. I, I, I just met, I just met a, a guy yesterday called Duval County Lion. Oh. My God, what a talented human being. This yeah. guy is, oh my God, I'm unbelievable. So I'm going to get him some of my yeah. music. Oh, I, I wish you would because he's, I mean, these are songs that are so touching. That, that uh, really, that's the beginning of a song is, is, is right. There was another question that was came in, and, and, and this, this was from Steve about uh, Ronnie, had, Ronnie had been known to never write down a lyric. Now, there's been, there's been people have debunked that and said, of course, he wrote some things down. Uh, but his process was different where he, for example, Sweet Home Alabama, he went down to the lake and just kind of, um, or, or the river, I should say, and he, he just came up with the lyrics and came back. And, and they, they, between him and Ed King and Gary, I believe, and they, they came up with the song. It was just sort of a natural process that happened. He didn't really, is it true that he didn't write the words? Or? He, they run back and forth, back and forth to Alabama all the time. Soon they get a little extra money to record. And they run so many, so many trips back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And Ronnie came up with the words. Ed King started the boom, 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 boom. That 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 lick, what you what do you call it, that riff or whatever. And then from their own, him and and, and Alan and Gary, they put the music together. Mm -hmm. And Ronnie and and Ed King wrote the words. Ed King was part of a songwriter on Curtis Lowe, the Ballad of Curtis Lowe. He changed the name, changed the spelling. So they were a combination. But Ronnie. Very seldom ever wrote anything down. Yeah. Uh, we have another question from Mitchell, okay, and back to fishing. They just love your fishing stories. So out of you, Ronnie, or Alan, who was the best fisherman? Huh. And Gary, and Gary, I should say. No question. Those, are, those guys, if you would call them, if you, if you had a Ronnie and Alan and Gary standing next to a clown and say, which one is the real clown? Which one are you going to point at? i, I got to play the fifth. I don't know. <laughs> Gene Odom was the, the Who fisherman. caught the biggest bass? Gene Odom. Oh, the one Ronnie caught, Ronnie caught uh, was a couple of ounces bigger than mine. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's amazing. So this is, and this is something that you're still doing on a daily basis. I, I fish uh, as much as I can. Mm -hmm. you know? And you said you have, so you're, in your family life now you have uh, two grandchildren, three grandchildren? I got seven. Seven. Wow. Two great, okay. two great grandbabies. Wow, that's wonderful. And you said yeah. they live close by to you. Actually, now I got three great grandbabies. Um, uh, one lives in West Virginia, and two live in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. my, my oldest daughter, my youngest daughter, lives in Oklahoma, with her children, and her oldest son lives in West Virginia. Yeah, nice. So you travel to see them, or they? Oh yeah, they, I you, travel you all the time. Yeah. That's great, oh, yeah. Gene. And how, how's your health? That's another question that came in. I didn't want to be too personal, and I don't mean to be. Um, but if you care to share with us how you're doing, uh, oh heart, you know, had problems. I was in the hospital there, uh, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I'm sorry to hear that. At the VA, I know they, because it's been flipping out so much. They wanted to change the medicine, yeah. and had to be in there on a monitor, and they put me on some new medicine, uh, and we're going to see if it works. So far, I think it's working. I mean, I, I haven't been in the hospital this week, but yeah. I've only been out. Two or three days, you know, four days. You know. Yeah. Well, take, you know, take your time. And you said you had a problem with your shoulder? Yeah, I got a torn rotator cuff. Yeah. And at this point, at that age, the VA said, you know, just let it. Too much fishing? <laughs> oh, that's, that's this arm, you know, that, you know, and so I had to be careful. Uh, i got another question. Gene, you're wildly popular. I have to say, I, 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 I thank you. I, I don't thank you. I, I think I'm, I'm not no, popular. No, think you'd be surprised. So people, the people are happy to see you back out. And, and this is from Francine. She was, hey, hey, uh, Hey, hey, Gene, who's your favorite band today? 
or even if it's in the last 20 years, it's okay. Who other than Skinner? Hank Williams. Hank Williams. Hank Williams Jr.? No, nope, Hank Williams. Hank Williams, yeah. yeah you're, now, a, you're a purist. Right? Now, I'm old, old, old. Uh, lefty Frizzell, Hank Williams. I mean, that's like people say, why don't you hang around the Hell House with Skinner? Because the Hell House, when they were working out songs or whatever, they're repetitive. They're playing over yeah. and over and over. And I, I didn't want to, I said, the only thing I want to hear over and over and over again is Hank Williams and Lefty Frizzell. But now I and did. And Merle Haggard. Merle Haggard. I got all, all the CDs in the car. But I did hear on the radio the other day a song. I think it was Florida State Line or Georgia. That's the Florida-Georgia line. They had a couple of songs on there. One was called Simple. Really, really simple. Yeah, I, I like that, but I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm old school. I don't, I don't listen to new stuff. Yeah. Well, Gene, the amount of the amount of just new information that you share with us today is that uh, people gobble it up as, as me, me as well, because it is so fascinating. And another, I had a question about just the intense work ethic that Skinner had. I mean, you don't you don't see that anymore. There, for this band to get up at eight o'clock in the morning, go get a big jug of coffee at their at his mom's donut shop and whatnot. And these are the stories that I've read that going to Hell House at the, you know, I, I believe it was Ed King that said they, they, that's unheard of. You don't see a band that does this. Now that, is that something that you witnessed that they just, Oh yeah. Yeah. Many times, but they treated it like a job. Like they, they were going to, going to make it. Ronnie had a vision, a vision. Of, of getting out of and he, he, knew. Ha he hated Shantytown. And if you wasn't a close personal friend of his, he didn't bring you to his house. Right. He didn't want people to see where he come from. And uh, if you was, went to school with him, other friends, then, you know, then you knew. But he didn't go bring friends, other people to, so it's just to his house. Yeah, he was a proud, well, you know, that's a great motivator in life, and it worked for him. And so, yeah. Gene, again, I mean, just such a pleasure talking to you, such an, uh, I feel honored that I got the opportunity to spend this time with you. It's been so interesting. And again, one thing that a lot of people might not know about Gene Odom is how, hysterically funny you are because you're a funny man and I don't think you even know it because you have said some things to me that it made me I'll be thinking about it later and think that was damn funny so Gene I like to call them you know the, what the, I coined the phrase the, fr the phrase about you the odomisms and there and there's some serious odomisms going on out there and I, I I know you're humble about it you don't you don't brag about how funny you are but um, I love the levity that you bring after everything you've been through in life that is what get you through and I was wondering if you had one or two you could share with the audience because I know they would love a laugh and because today you made us laugh and cry. Um, the only thing that comes to my mind real quick I guess probably, you're probably the lightest woman I ever met. <laughs> <laughs> well my nose ain't growing. So. <laughs> no uh, those things are natural. They're natural Spur it's organic yeah. You know, I can't and, put you on the on the. You, I, I'm putting you on, you on, the on the line. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. I don't mean to do that to yeah. you, but you you are you're very entertaining. I would we would say if we were to coin a phrase, we'd call you a genius, right? Well, I, <laughs> uh, I, I yeah. tell people I hung around the pool hall all the time, pool hall, and we were all friends. And when I, I used to hang around there, even when Skinner, I went to work with Skinner. I, I hung at the pool hall sometimes, and all the guys down there called me. My name is Eugene Vernon Eugene. And they said, Eugene the genius. <laughs> yeah, Eugene the genius. And you had, you had a misspent youth. And I got no education. Pool. I'm dumb than a flat frog. I'm well, telling you. Well, you can say that, but I highly doubt that. I mean, I, mm. I don't think that, uh, I don't think that's true. No, it is true because I was, I was 30 years old before I realized that grape nuts was a venereal disease. And seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Okay, Gene. So you got me good today. Well, listen, again, um, I hope people go see this. Actually, rent the movie on Amazon. It is so, it's just so touching. Oh, nice. And you can hold it up, Gene, please. 
Yeah, uh, this is extremely touching, the movie, and how, how this, these guys put it together, Concrete Line Pictures. Um, it tells a story that you'll never forget. And uh, it's the last 72 hours of Leonard Skinner, it's about the plane, mostly about the plane crash and stuff about how and why, what, what went on, and uh, it's a true story. Yeah. 100% true story. There's no ad-lib, there's no fake, phony, fraud, nothing. It's a true story. And at this point in your life, Gene, I think people know that you have nothing to gain by fabricating anything. That is, you're, you're, you're as, as right as rain when it comes to being truthful, and that I feel that from you. And is there any, anything new in your life that you'd like to start doing in the, in the future, moving forward? Anything, any new goals or any trips you'd like to take? Anything special? You've been through so much in your life, Gene, and just people want to know, you know if there's any that the questions have come in about that. If there's any future plans, anything that you'd like to do. Um, and this might end in, in an Odinism because... <laughs> uh, um, not really, you know, I got... Uh, you're satisfied, you're satisfied, and that's something... Daughters and grandbabies and great-grandbabies and stuff, you know. So you're a simple I man. I ashamed to admit, I'm extremely simple, and hopefully this thing might make a little money one day, but uh, uh, I'm simple. I don't need much. I yeah. don't need much at all. A sim simple man, right? Uh, I don't want to use Ronnie and Gary's title, but yeah, I'm extremely simple. Okay. Very, very, very simple. Yeah, well, that's the best way to be. And uh, uh, T-shirts. I have a T-shirt on right now, but it's freezing in this studio. That's why I'm. She's from New York. Don't bother her. <laughs> but I'm freezing. I'd be in a white T-shirt right now if it, if it wasn't for this 33 degrees in this studio. Yeah. Well, Gene, again, if there's anything else you'd like to say to your audience that people are happy to see you, so you know, I, let them know that. Hopefully, let them know that we'll be doing this again. I hope we do, and we keep the conversation going. Uh, I enjoy it. I know that the, really it writes itself because people want to know about you and they're writing in like crazy and that shows the, the level of respect and interest there is in your story. Well, keep up, keep him up, my old dead fishing buddy, keep, keep his music alive. And also Alan Collins and, and Bob Burns, Ed King, Steve Gaines, Cassie Gaines, they left such phenomenal music. Forty-something years after their death, that's they right. still sell a couple of million. And, and that's where the miracle. And keep them in your prayers. Yeah. Really, I believe in that yeah. because they, yeah. you know they, these are people that touched our life. Their their music has really been the soundtrack of our life. Oh, and, and we and I feel personally grateful to that because really it's 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 helped me through many things. And Ronnie would be humble to know that forty-two years after his death, people still buying and listening to his music. He would be humbled, extremely humbled, to know that I'm sitting here. We're talking about his music long, long, long after his death. And he has the kind of talent that you would associate with Elvis Presley, the Beatles, that, that after all their death, there's, there's his life still, people still pay to come listen to his music and, um, and, and hear what he li wrote and lived about. Yeah. And uh, he would be humbled, believe me. Absolutely. And I think that for all the Facebook viewers, I, I hope that uh, we'd like to start, a, I'd like to start a petition to get Ronnie into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. I, I, think, I think that's a pity that he's not in there. It's a, it's a disgrace. Because I'm, surprised he's, I'm surprised he's not. Well, I mean, I, to be, the best of my knowledge, if someone knows better, please write in. But honestly, from, from what I've researched, he's not. And uh, I, some of the people that are, I, 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 I question. So. It's, probably, <laughs> it's probably a thing like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Listen, I told people it's all about the money. It ain't about your music. Mark my word, one day the chipmunks will be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> it's all about your money. I'm going to tell you something you don't know, probably. When Skinner got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, 90-something, 90 95, 96, whatever. I think it was 96, I think. 
then the tables out in front of the stage, not the band members on stage, but to sit in that seat out there, your ticket was $2,500. It was $25,000 per table to sit out there. That's high money. That was in 1995. It's probably five or $10,000 a ticket nowadays. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ain't about your music. It's about the publicity, the money, the money, the advertising, all the money that they make. Mark my word, the chipmunks will be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame one day. Oh, my. If the people that did that music will pay that pay that money to sit in them seats out there. You ain't going to pay that money. You ain't going to be in, that, in there. It ain't about your music. It's about them people making money. I agree. Yeah, it's become a joke, really, yeah. at this point. Yeah. Well, Gene, was there anything else that you today want to share with anyone? Anything people don't know about you or something unique or anything about your experience with in your amazing life that you've led uh, and that you're still living and we want you around for another it 30 years? It ain't the life that uh, uh, Your passed. philosophy on life. Yeah. Right now, I got to pee, you know. If you've got a <laughs> prostate and it works like mine, you got to go pee. But um, I don't, I don't, I'm not a philosopher by no means. I'm not a... Um, if I wanted to go to the movie, I had to borrow some money from her to go to the movie tonight. <laughs> but um, um, I don't know what to tell you because you ain't going to listen anyway. I mean, most of you people, some of y'all that are Democrats, and you know you don't listen to nothing. <laughs> I'm not going to get into politics but <laughs> on here, you know what I mean? But um, I, was, I was humbled and honored to grow up with Ronnie. And I'm the one person that should have stopped that plane. It eats me up 24-7. I got the mo the doctor told me off the record, post-traumatic stress, because I'm a disabled veteran also, a little bit of the military. He said, you got post-traumatic stress, Mr. Odom, times five. Worst case I've ever seen, and I've seen a million cases. I just laughed. I said, Dad, it ain't nothing to me, Doc. He said, you got the worst case. And it's mainly because I couldn't keep my fishing buddy from passing away. I should have. I should have broke that pilot's legs and not do that. But he was the pilot. I, can, I could give orders in the Army, or I could take orders. He was the pilot, and the last words that man heard, that pilot, was from me. Don't you wish you was on the tarmac like I begged you to be? We ain't going to make it. And so, in the last words Ronnie Van Zandt ever heard was my words. The last song that man ever heard, Merle Haggard had just came out with Ramblin' Fever, the, CD, the cassette. The last song that man ever heard, I had a boombox, was Ramblin' Fever by Merle Haggard. Uh, and the way he, when he died, he went to sleep and never woke up. And he got everything in life he wanted. He got that old truck, he got the old bass, he had a couple of daughters. Just found out recently he had another daughter. That I ain't gonna say no more about that. But um, so he, Ronnie was pretty much a, a fatalist, and he really believed, he also had the vision from the time he was a child that he would live to be 29. He, well, Maybe well, he was squeezing a lot of life in there. Well, Hank Williams died at 29. Yeah. And uh, another famous person, I think. Okay. It was the 27 Club and then the 29, yeah. Yeah, and so um, I told him one time, I said, what do you say? He said, well, I'll never, you know, if you knew Ronnie Van Zant and he had a toot or he had a little bit of Jack Daniels, he liked to talk. He liked, that was his venue out of Shantytown. If he wasn't tipsy a little high, he didn't talk. He didn't, you know, when he talked, it was, 
it was it was drug and alcohol induced when he talked. Mm-hmm. He didn't do it around me because I can honestly tell you right here between me and God and Ronnie Van Zanton, I never saw that man drunk. He had enough respect for me that he never got drunk around me. And I told him when I took the job, all that's going all that stuff's going away. I'm not gonna put up with none of it. And I never saw him do no drugs, smoke a little bit of marijuana, smoke them Winston cigarettes, but he I kept all that away from me. And if I come in there real quick, whatever, you know, he'd turn his back away from whatever, you know. He kept that away from me. But he, uh, when he when he got like that, he would do a little talking. And uh, it eats me up that he's gone and never got to see, never got to live life. Well, I've, i got to be careful. Yeah, that's right. Well, Gene, again, I thank you. Everybody really, so, so many, so many comments coming in. Uh, that I just really couldn't possibly get to all of them. So we're going to just have to do this again. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, and I look forward to it. It was just your, uh, just fascinating to talk to. And I appreciate you. And I hope that uh, this becomes a regular monthly, weekly, whatever the course may be, that you can share your stories about your time with Leonard Skinner and also just your life. The pe- people want to know. People feel that you're a friend, and, and you are a friend. I'm a friend. If you got, if, if you're a friend of mine, you're a friend of Gene Odom. We're done about that. Well, thank you so much, Gene, for your time, and and I hope you've enjoyed your. This is actually your your podcast. It's your time giving to your fans, and I hope you all enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you.